Welcome to the Policy Out Loud podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Patrice, writer, political science master's graduate, and dirty martini enthusiast. This podcast is dedicated to unpacking social, political, economic, and environmental issues as they relate specifically to policy from both regional and global perspectives with the simple goal of discussing solutions and systems that put people before politics. Fair warning, sometimes the content is intense and we drop some F-bombs. Thanks for listening in and enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to Policy Out Loud's first episode. I'm your host, Taylor, and I am so excited to be kicking off this podcast with our first episode, despite the fact that there is a seven or eight minute teaser that predates (laughs) this podcast. Um, This is the first official episode as dictated by the fact that there is a jingle. And I have to brag about that jingle for just a second because I did it myself. And as a person who is new to audio and new to podcasting and new to doing all of that kind of audio editing, um, I'm really proud of the fact that I made that jingle myself. The last several months have been poured into getting Policy Out Loud up as its own independent brand and learning audio, which in and of itself has a huge learning curve. Um, So I have been pouring myself into this project and I think the piece that I'm most proud about is the jingle. Um, That that was some hard work. So welcome to the first episode. It has a jingle. So in this first episode, um, the couple of questions that I want to answer uh, just to kind of kick us off are what is policy out loud? Who am I and why do I care about policy? Now, before we get started, I have to be transparent with you. I've actually taken this audio, I don't know how many times at this point. I've actually lost count. And the reason for this is partially because I'm new to audio and I was trying to figure out at first, do I want to go off script? Do I want to have things scripted and then read from it? How do I want to run this? And so the first couple takes were honestly just learning how to podcast and kind of figuring out what it is I wanted to say about policy out loud. Um, And then I had this episode and it was completely done. I had the jingle attached to it. I was ready to post it. And then all of a sudden the news changed. And um, as, as stories began to unfold in the Middle East and about the environment and about um, what's happening in Texas with um, bodily autonomy, the reasons that I had for um, for caring about policy and wanting to talk to you about policy and why I was getting this platform up off the ground changed. And it's not so much that the reasons themselves changed, but the examples became so relevant with what we're seeing in the news. And so the way in which I kind of wanted to talk about it and the way I wanted to frame it, I was able to give a better answer. And so thus we are on the, I haven't even a single clue what take at this point. And um, I'm crossing my fingers that this is the episode because I'll tell you, there's also a low level of anxiety I have going into audio because I'm a writer. And as I'm currently speaking to you, I'm completely unscripted. So anything that pops out of my mouth is honestly going to be a surprise to you and me because I've decided that I'm going to go off book specifically for this episode. Now, I've thought about it a lot. And I thought to myself, okay, do I want to do scripted? Do I want to do unscripted? And it turns out that when I do scripted, I sound a little bit dead. So 
The audio comes out better if I just talk to you, but this is a research-based podcast. This is going to be um, sometimes interview podcasting. Sometimes it's going to to be me just talking to you about policy and what foreign policy is, what domestic policy is, various policies across the globe that different countries are initiating, um, talking to you about the system and how the system works and whether the system should work that way. Sometimes it's going to be scripted because it has to be, because there's going to be so many things that we're talking about that I can't necessarily rattle off the top of my head. But then there's going to be times where I just talk at the microphone as I am now. And another thing that I was kind of thinking about in how I was going to do this is what I care to have translated in this podcast is that as we're talking about policy, a word that sometimes can feel very intimidating is that I want the conversation around policy to be accessible. Sometimes when we think of the word policy, we think about it being this word that we can't necessarily participate in talking about. Oftentimes the conversation around policy happens in arenas and and in venues that we don't necessarily have access to. And so sometimes that can make the policies that are put into place very confusing or ineffective or lack representation. And so I think sometimes when we look at the word policy, we either think of politics or we think of the word, we think of policy as this sort of untouchable conversation, something that we as the average person can't necessarily engage, don't have the means to engage, um, or it's just not a conversation for us, it, it, as if the conversation belongs to somebody else. What I really want this platform to be is a platform that makes policy accessible because policy has a direct effect on your life, as it does mine. I also want it to be a place where we can safely talk about various levels of policy. Policy takes place at very high levels when we're starting to think about, like when we look at global policy, we're looking at oftentimes environmental policy. How do we address something that belongs to no country at all, but a policy conversation that may need to be had, such as that of the environment? Policy happens at, um, at, at an international level. It can incorporate a few countries that are engaged either in conflict or in trade, where it doesn't necessarily, the conversation doesn't belong on the global stage, but it belongs between several countries. And then we've got national policy, where we're talking about like federal policies in the United States or policies that are enacted in specific countries, various environmental policies, trade policies, health care policies, for instance. And then it trickles down even into the state and local levels. So when we're looking at policy, we're seeing it in so many kind of echelons of conversation. We're seeing it on so many different levels and we're seeing it on the news and we're kind of seeing it constantly bombarding us. So it can make it very confusing and it can make it feel very difficult to engage and it can sometimes make it feel it make us feel very heavy. And what I want this space to be is a place where we can engage that conversation from a place of curiosity and research and respect and accessibility. So What exactly is policy out loud, though? I've talked about what it is that I want it to be, but what exactly is it? So in order to tell you what policy out loud is, I actually have to back my story up about seven years. And you're only going to get the quick and dirty version of this story because the story in and of itself kind of deserves its own podcast. 
But if you're a little bit more curious about my story, you can go over to policyoutloud.com and dig out some of the older pieces and kind of follow along with what I'm about to tell you. So seven years ago, I was in the process of graduating college. And um, right after graduating college, I was I was in that year post-college. <laughs> that, that was the year that I started the podcast, uh, not the podcast, the blog. And that year following graduating college, I don't think enough people talk about how hard that year is. And for me, I had a really hard year transitioning out of college because well, for a few reasons. One, I could no longer party drink on a Tuesday. I had to actually like wake up and be an adult. I had walked out of school with an all too familiar story of way too much debt and no idea how to begin to address all that debt I had just accumulated. Debt that was worthy of of putting myself in because I had walked away with knowledge and curiosity and, and a skill set that made me employable. But I had a ton of debt and I knew that my interests were to work with people and I didn't exactly have a plan for my life. Like I didn't know how I was going to begin to attack all of this debt that I had walked out with. And when I walked out of school, I walked out with a degree, a couple of minors, a few certifications, a few like specialty pieces that I could put onto my resume and really no clue what to do with all of that. And so I was navigating transitioning into adult life and and working and addressing debt And then on top of that, I found this beautiful blue-eyed man who was about to go active duty military, and it was a done deal. I met him and kind of knew he was my person right off the bat. And that was a really terrifying thing for me to realize because the story I had spent so many years telling myself was that... The story I had spent so many years telling myself was that I was going to be maybe 30, maybe 40 before I found a partner... Maybe I had kids, maybe I didn't have kids, maybe I found a partner, maybe I didn't find a partner, but I was really content with this vision of myself where I was like 30-something sitting on a fat wad of cash as everybody's cool auntie. How I was going to make that fat wad of cash, I have no idea, but I was really content with this like single, you know, power female vision of myself. And now all of a sudden... I'm not only looking down the barrel of a really beautiful love story, but of a life that I have not only not envisioned for myself, but know nothing about. I don't come from a military background. My uh, husband barely comes from a military background. And not only was I in the process of getting married, but joining a life that I knew nothing about was terrifying. So I was trying to figure out where I fit in the world and how to jump into this new story that I had never told myself about myself with both feet. And it was one massive plot twist. And so amongst all of the things <laughs> that are, are scary in that transition is that my partner has then been assigned to um, Georgia. Now, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest traveling to Los Angeles in the summers. So when I tell people where I come from, I tell them I'm from the West Coast. And that it's because that's that's where I was born and raised and never really left, but for one trip. And so I was really familiar knowing how to navigate the West Coast culture, which has a very distinct culture and has very distinct values and has a way of manifesting those values in a very specific way. And I was very comfortable in that culture and with that um, line of thinking and approach to policy, and I knew how to navigate it. And then all of a sudden, 
(laughs) I'm marrying this man who's like, hey, we're going to the South. And my truth is that despite the fact that Georgia is part of my own country, I was terrified to go to the South because I, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, wait, they're conservative. I don't know that I'm gonna get along down there. I've never been to the South, but the only thing I know is what they put in movies and what they put on the news and what they put in all of those various areas is the very stereotypical view of the South. It's conservative and it's the Bible Belt and it's very traditional and it may not have progressed very far. And the way that they're addressing policies is very foreign to me. And so I embrace this, (laughs) I embrace this plot twist and I move down to the South and it's at this point like kind of right in the midst of packing up my gold CRV to the point that this car is dragging its ass across the country. That's right when I started the blog in this, in the, in the middle of this massive transition period in my life. And what I was originally using the blog, if you've been following me for however long you've been following me, when I originally started the blog, I was talking about everything I was seeing and trying to make sense of. I was talking about the, the differences that I noticed in culture and how the South was addressing problems that they were facing, what their policies looked like, how they were addressing homelessness, how they were addressing hunger, how they were addressing um, education. I was talking about all of these things because it was new to me. And what I came to find out in my time in Georgia, which was a place that I left kicking and screaming, I mean, I genuinely fell in love with the South. Um, What I learned was their values were the same. All of the values that I had walked in, assuming that they didn't share with me, they were the same. The difference was, is in the way they were addressing policy, because they had different access to resources, the way in which their values were manifesting was different because it had to be. Now, Seattle has a lot of Fortune 500 companies that have a ton of tax benefits for donating to the local community to help address the homeless problem, to help address education, to help address health. The South doesn't have that. In many of po- many pockets of the South, they don't even have a large company that receives those tax benefits by helping to donate to the larger community. And so the policies in place, the way that they were able to address the needs of their community was different because they could only they could only do it on the backs of volunteers via donations. It was a much smaller scale operation. And so the way in which they could attack these problems was different, but the values weren't. And so all of these observations I was making, not only about myself in this journey, but about the culture that I had just newly embraced, I was talking about on the blog. And this sort of story has evolved over years because I've moved several times. And so After having moved several times, I've kind of talked about these same things over and over again. I've talked about how people are approaching problems, how they're addressing needs in their community, how they're working to fill their neighbor's cup. And what I didn't realize that I was talking about the whole time from the inception of this platform to now, I just didn't have a word for it yet, was policy. And so policy out loud is the final expression of a blog that has been figuring out its niche and its space in the writing world and in the world for a lot of years. And the blog has been as chaotic as the writer herself. I mean, my transition into becoming a writer and learning what it means to be um, 
a military spouse, a first line supporter to learn what that means. It's been a messy, very chaotic road. And so the blog followed that sort of transition of talking about what I was experiencing, what I was feeling, all those raw interactions with the systems around me. And that's policy. Policy is how we we engage the system, how the system affects us. And so the story I was telling, the one where I was talking about observations of the local community and how I interacted with it and what I was learning, I was already talking about policy. It's what I've loved to talk about the whole time. I just didn't know it. And so Policy Out Loud is the fullest expression of the story I've been telling for years. And I'm so excited to be at the point where I'm able to kind of identify what that niche is and why that niche is important. And in in realizing what it is I want to talk about and why it is I want to talk about it and identifying that word and identifying that niche, I wanted to rebrand because I want this to be a platform that becomes a tool for people to use because these are such important conversations that we need to be better at engaging, but we also need to be better at engaging them just in general, but also by incorporating the human perspective because that human perspective is so essential to the conversation. When you talk to your neighbor and they're exhausted, when you turn on Facebook and somebody is ranting, when you look at the news and, and somebody is pissed off, what you're seeing is very real people shouldering the burden of a broken system and expressing that. What you're seeing is people who are genuinely feeling the ramifications of systems that are not working and finding a way to articulate that. And that articulation can be very emotional because policy is not void of people. Sometimes when we think of policy, we think of it as this sort of system that is removed from people, but policy in and of itself has a heartbeat. It is the people. And so policy, I heard this analogy once um, from a waiter in Switzerland. I asked him, I said, how do you feel about your systems? How do you feel about your policy? And he stopped and he looked at me and he put the plate down and he goes, oh my gosh, thank you so much for asking. I would love to answer this question. And I said, okay, tell me. Like I'm, I am like all ears. He goes, policy is like a stomach. When it works, nobody complains. When it doesn't work, it hurts. And I remember thinking to myself, holy shit, I just got my, my brain rocked because he was so right. In the United States, people are loud, they are vocal, and they are vocal because they are angry, and they're angry because they are shouldering the burden of a broken system. And it hurts, because policy has a heartbeat. It has a breath. Policy exists in schools and in church pews. It exists in in soup kitchen lines. It exists when you go to Walmart and you stand in line and it affects the person that is is bringing you your meal at a restaurant. It exists when you go shopping for your food and for your clothing. It affects the farmer and the child next door. It affects your grandmother. Policy has a heartbeat because policy is people. And we have to have a better way of talking about how people and policy are interconnected. Because people are tired of shouldering the burden of a broken system. And so it's essential that we begin to have a conversation not only about policy and how it works and how those decisions are made, but also what the second and third order effects of policy are. 
We have to be better at talking about whether or not policy is working. One of the key problems with policy, and my goodness, I can stand on this soapbox for a really long time, but one of the true fundamental issues with policy is that policy is often judged by its intent. It is not judged by whether or not it has has achieved that intent. And I'm going to repeat that for you because I feel like I stumbled over my words and that was a really key point. Policy is often judged by its intent, not whether or not it has achieved that intent. And so we have a lot of policies that work and we don't complain about those. And we have a lot of policies that don't. And those are the ones that people are not only loud about, but they're screaming about. And those are the conversations that we need to engage, not only from a safe space, but from a very practical, pragmatic space. Because those policies affect the way in which we engage each other, the world around us. It allows, good policy allows us to be better stewards of our world. It allows us to engage our government better. It allows us to engage our systems better. It allows us to engage each other better. And so that's what Policy Out Loud is. It's a space where we can begin to have these conversations about conversations that oftentimes feel like we're so far removed from. Because these conversations do directly affect us. We are the stakeholders and we have to participate in these conversations because the world has so many imminent needs that can be addressed by changing what the system looks like, by understanding the system better. And so we have to begin to talk about what the system looks like and how it functions and how we fit into that narrative. And so that is what Policy Out Loud is. We're going to continue to learn what Policy Out Loud is as this... (laughs) as this platform evolves. Um, But that's kind of like off the top of my head, what it is. So we're going to be spending a lot of time together here on the podcast. And because we're going to be spending so much time together, um, I think you should know a little bit about who I am. So my name is Taylor. My pen name is Taylor Patrice, all the same person. I have chosen a pen name because um, I don't know. Because I, it was under, it was the, the blog used to be under Taylor Patrice. So it made sense for me to sign my name that way. And it's going to continue to be signed that way. But my name is Taylor. Um, I have my master's degree in political science with a focus specifically in policy. I have my bachelor's in pre-law. I have a minor in ethics and a minor in cultural studies. And I am a certified professional writer. Uh, the favorite job that I have ever held was in child abuse and neglect advocacy. That job rocked my world. That is a that that is a podcast all on its own and I'm really excited to talk about that, but that was a that was the hardest job I ever loved. It's the most important work I think I've ever done. And I don't know that I will ever find a job I love that much ever again. Podcast all its own. Um I self-describe as a little bit rebellious and deeply empathetic and I'm very creative. I love to write, but I should never touch a paintbrush. Um I am a very distinct split, like right down the middle between the emotional and the logical. My emotional side allows me to connect with the people around me and I'm deeply empathetic. So if you're feeling something, I'm going to feel it with you. But I also have a very logical side, which allows me to address problems from a logical perspective. And that logical side allows me to work through my emotions relatively quickly. But that's also a skill that I've cultivated over years of counseling, I'm a huge, huge supporter of everybody having a counselor. Even if you think you're healthy, everybody should have a counselor all the time, always. 
huge supporter of that. We need more people in that line of work and we need like, that needs to be something that is well supported. Um, my favorite food is macaroni and cheese. And I am, I am a 30 year old adult who will happily eat craft macaroni and cheese, but I've gotten really good at homemade mac and cheese. And I'm constantly looking for the best recipe or a good restaurant, but I will go out of my way for a good bowl of macaroni and cheese. I really like mine with four cheeses, um, jalapenos and bacon. That is like my ideal comfort food. I don't think I'm ever going to grow out of it. I think God himself, herself, God themselves made macaroni and cheese. Um, my I talk about martinis in my opening um, kind of audio. And uh, my, my martini of choice is uh, Bombay Sapphire Dirty Martini with three pimento olives. And it has to be the pimento olives. I think that blue cheese olives are horrible. I don't know why anyone ever combined blue cheese and olives. I think that's yucky. And I'd like my martini to be in a pretty glass and it has to have three olives. So that's my, my drink of choice. I also love a gin basil smash. That, that is an excellent drink. And um, beer, I like stouts, specifically chocolate or coffee stouts. Um, if you were to open my Amazon cart right now, you would see that I have textbooks in my Amazon cart. And um, despite the fact that I graduated from, from my master's program in 2019, I still am ordering textbooks because I genuinely enjoy reading textbooks. Now, they're beneficial to the platform that I run, but I actually really enjoy reading a good textbook. My favorite textbook, which I think everybody should read, is called Peaceland. And it is all about conflict and how conflict is shaped on the ground, what conflict resolution looks like, what the trouble with conflict resolution currently is, all conversations around conflict resolution. And so um, I think that that's an excellent book. Everybody should read it. Also, an excellent book is When Abortion Was a Crime. Given what we're talking about in kind of the greater um, bodily autonomy sort of policy conversation, that's an excellent book. Um, I think one day when I grow up and I'm a real adult, I think I'd like to get into peacekeeping. That's a job that I find very fascinating. I think I'd be good at it. Um, and I learned that um, when I was working in child abuse and neglect advocacy. So I really enjoy um, entrenching my hands in conflict and helping to resolve that. I think that that's a skill that I have and I actually really enjoy exercising that kind of emotional muscle. Um, I have a very dry sense of humor and my favorite TV show is um, The Marvelous Miss Maisel. We can fight about it, but you won't win. It's hands down the best television. And one skill set that I have is that I can pull soap boxes out of the back of my head and stand upon them for a very long time. Like, if you'll listen to me talk about whatever it is I am talking about, I will stand upon that soapbox for as long as you'll listen to me. And I've got various soap boxes that I can pull out of the back of my head. My favorite to stand on, at least at the moment, is believing that parking meters are illegal. Now, don't get me wrong. The parking meter itself is not illegal. The part of the parking meter that I believe is illegal is the fact that it doesn't accept pennies, which is a legal tender, and therefore I believe that a parking meter should be forced to accept pennies. Now, I understand the mechanics of the parking meter having limited space, and so it makes sense to put change in that is of higher value to save on the space, but pennies are a legal tender and I should be allowed to put them in a parking meter. And that's what I have to say about that soapbox. And other, t other than that, I am 
married to this super badass soldier. Um, I think he is one of the most fabulous people I have ever met walking the face of this earth. Um, he's really passionate about water security. And for us, we love to hike and we love to play with our dogs and we enjoy building furniture together. And we talk about politics all the time. Um, we kind of represent two different lines of thinking with, we have shared values that approach our values from very different scopes of thinking. And so it keeps the conversation very interesting because we are perpetually like bickering wouldn't be the right word, like playfully bantering about who's wrong about the policy approach. And so it keeps our conversation very lively. And other than that, um, my brain is kind of constantly all over the place and I'm cool with it. That is, however, going to be personified on this podcast because there is not a dang thing I can do about it. I'm going to go into some podcasts like fully well versed in what it is I want to say. And then my brain's going to shoot over to a different kind of pocket or corner of my mind. And then I'm going to spend five minutes talking to you about something random. And then my hope is that I make it back to my original kind of line of thinking. But that's how, how my brain works and and welcome. <laughs> And other than that, I am still discovering who I am. And we're going to discover who I am together as this platform continues to evolve. One of the beautiful things about being alive, especially if you're a person who is challenging yourself, is that you're constantly meeting yourself in a new sort of light. When I look back at who I was when I started this platform, I was a completely different person. I was fearful and I held on to certain stereotypes and I held on to them fiercely. I believe that I had all of the answers and the right line of thinking. And then I went out into the world and I met new people and I've lived in various pockets of my own country as well as abroad and have traveled to not quite 30 countries at this point and spent a, a dense amount of time in these countries studying their policies. And what I have learned is that I'm, con I'm continuing to meet myself in a new in new spaces. When I finally think to myself, oh, I figured out who I am, I learned that the world is prepared to pull from me something I didn't know existed deep down. The world is prepared to teach me something about myself and it gives me a clearer picture of who I am. And sometimes what I find about myself is beautiful. I find that I'm curious and attentive and loving and understanding and empathetic and then I, sometimes I find that I'm impatient and impulsive and frustrating and, and emotional and I'm all over the board and emotional is not a bad thing. That kind of made the like what we often think of as a negative list, but that's not a negative quality. Tr truly none of them are. But I find that I meet myself across the entire human spectrum. And so as this podcast begins to, <laughs> as this continues to evolve. We're going to continue to figure out who I am and I'm excited that you're going to join me here. So last question, why do I care about policy? Well, I know that this is <laughs> such a, I don't know, it seems like such a cliche answer, but I care about people and policy affects people. Policy is the way in which we manifest our values it's how we prioritize what we want to have happen in our society. I'm going to click over to my website because 
once upon a time, I wrote what policy was. <laughs> and I, I, because I had time to edit it and think through it, I thought I gave a really good description. So I'm going to go ahead and actually read this part um, because I think it's fitting. Policy is important because it outlines how we handle real world problems in our local and global communities. Social, economic, and global issues such as war, healthcare, the environment, food, security, education, migration, family stability, crime, poverty, and human trafficking, just to name a few, are all deeply rooted in public, domestic, and foreign policy. <sighs> Plainly put, policy is the practical way we succeed or fail at addressing real-world conditions and shapes how we systematically show respect for Earth and the people with whom we share this planet. It's the structured guide to how we achieve our moral principles. Knowledge of policy helps us to make systematic decisions that align our values with our actions and produce desired outcomes for our local and global communities. Understanding policy and outcomes helps us to better understand our world, allows us to engage our government more thoughtfully, and empowers us to be better stewards of earth and caretakers of each other. And those are my values. That's why I care about policy. I care about people. I care about you. I care about my neighbor. I care about my husband. I care about, I don't have any children, but if one day I choose to procreate, I care about the world that I leave them behind. And I have collected a lot of littles from all of my friends that whose pictures sit on my refrigerator. And I care about what world we're leaving them. I care about what's happening on the news. And the thing is, is you do too. And let's take, for example, what we're seeing in, in Afghanistan. We have all seen the picture of the C-17 military aircraft loaded well past capacity with Afghans trying to escape the rapidly sp spreading reclamation of Taliban rule in Afghanistan. We've seen it. You have gone into your community and you have seen homeless. You have turned on the news and you have seen people protesting, screaming, shouting, flooding buildings. You've seen people crying and hurting and burning things. You have seen people talking about what it means to lose their home to a wildfire or to survive a hurricane or any natural disaster. You have seen people on the news talking about how the education system is changing or how food is depleting in areas of the world that it didn't, it never looked like that before. You participate in policy every single day. And when we go and we look at all of these things that are happening, everything that is flashing across our phones and our televisions and our computers, everything that we're seeing, when people are talking about the burdens that they're shouldering or the thing that has made them angry or how the system is broken or how they're burnt out or honestly, how they're triumphing and how their community is succeeding and how it's improving the good and the bad, not the bad, but the, the good and the hard parts of life, that's oftentimes related to policy. And when we're having these conversations, sometimes we're talking about policy and sometimes we're talking about the second and third order effects of policy. So policy has its, has kind of, it's got its hands in everything. And, and everything that we see on the news when we see people who are expressing their experience with the world around them, that's policy. And policy is not just what we put down on paper. 
It is blood and sweat and tears and cargo planes. It is school books and it is flags at half mast. It is the food on your plate and it is the the people standing in the soup kitchen line. It is the homeless problem in your community. It is the survivor of a hurricane. It is the businessman or woman off somewhere else making decisions about how their business is going to affect the economy. It is people with a heartbeat. These decisions have heartbeats. These are very real people. And because these are very real people, I care to have this conversation because I care about people. Now, in my personal life, I can see how policy manifests itself. As someone who is married, as <laughs> military is the front line to foreign policy. And so as you see everything that's evolving on the news, especially as we look at what's happening in other countries, we're feeling it. We're responding to it. Our families are directly affected by it. I can see how that policy affects me. As a person who's lived in another country and has shopped at a couple different countries' grocery stores, that's definitely policy. I can guarantee you that the food that we see in the United States versus what you can see in any other country, that's policy. Which means that healthcare is policy, which means education is policy, which means the economy is policy, which means your vote is policy. It all comes back to policy. Your quality of life, it's affected by policy. And it's also affected about how, it's affected by how the system works. And so not only will we be talking about policy, but we'll also be talking about how the system works and whether or not it should work that way, whether or not it should operate differently and if it would be more effective operating in different ways. We're going to take a critical look at what it means to um, have policy the way it operates in the United States, and we're going to compare it to what other countries are, are doing and experiencing and how that's affecting their quality of life and how that's affecting their freedom and autonomy and how that's affecting their economy and their environment. We're going to take a look at other countries because we have a lot to learn from other countries. We have a lot that people can learn from us, but we also stand to learn a lot. And so that's why I care to have this conversation because very real lives are affected by it. Now, let's see. Do I have any other questions that I wanted to answer? No. So before I hop off, I'll be really candid with you. As a person who's new to the audio component, I don't exactly know how to sign off gracefully. So here in a minute, I'm just going to be like, okay, bye. <laughs> and that's going to be the end of our first episode. But before we get to the end of our first episode, what I am going to encourage you to do is if you haven't checked out the website yet, it's at policyoutloud.com and a ton of work and sweat, sweat equity has been put into that platform. And I hope you give it a subscribe, um, mostly because I sent out a really cool email. Now, if emailing isn't your thing, you should rethink that because again, I really do a cool email. Um, you get kind of a dose of um, fun and personable content. It's You get letters from me, letters from my life. It's kind of a more personal way to connect with me. But if that's not your jam, that's cool too. I promise I don't send a ton of them every month because I don't want you feeling inundated. Um, but all of the social media is also at Policy Out Loud. So you can go ahead and follow me there. I would appreciate it. Um, I am in my growth stage. So any way you choose to engage is meaningful and I appreciate it. Um, oh, I'd like to say less ums, but I'm trying to think through all the things that I wanted to say in this first episode. All right. Well, I thought through, I think I've, I think I've covered down on everything that I wanted to say. <laughs> um, 
I think I kept it pretty, pretty on script. There was no script. I just have like a little sticky note in front of me that like identifies the questions I wanted to answer. So um, it's pink. I think I've stuck to my questions and I've I tried really hard to stick to the questions because there is so much about policy I want to talk to you about. I can tell you that this platform didn't evolve because I sort of found some unoccupied niche. It, it, it exists because I genuinely love to talk about policy. I find it, it's like something that just gets my my fire going. Um I genuinely enjoy this. And I know you do too. The thing is, is you may not realize it, but I know for a fact you're a multi-passionate person who cares about this. You just may not necessarily have the time to leverage the same way I do. So I'm here to do the work for you so that we can have the conversation together because I already know that you care. I care. And so, um, but I think I've done a decent job of staying on script. I already have so much I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about the relationship between politics and policy. That's really important. Oh, that's what I wanted to say. See, rabbit hole. What I don't want this platform to be, I'm really annoyed that I got this like pop up in the back of my head right as I'm trying to exit scene. What I do not want policy out loud to be is a political platform. That's what I did want to say. Why didn't I put that on my sticky note? I do not want policy out loud to be a political platform. I know that if you're looking at the word policy, you're probably thinking to yourself, oh, this is going to be political. Like you, I'm really tired of getting inundated in political conversation. Really tired of getting inundated in that. Um, So this is a platform for you, whether you are a Republican or whether you are a Democrat or whether you are a swing voter or whether you don't care about politics at all or whether you're some sort of like third party candidate supporter. This is for you. What I want this platform to be is a place where we can engage the conversation of policy from a place of solution-based thinking. What passes for politics these days is absolutely ridiculous. We accept that politics these days is just kind of a string of divisive language. We accept that politics these days is pitting one side against the next to leverage position and to attain and to, to attain money, to make money. And I'm tired of that. I'm tired of that because we've got so many dang problems that need addressed and they need addressed immediately. And that is a distraction. And honestly, it just, it's insulting to the American people. It's not just the American people. It's insulting to people. It's insulting to our intelligence. It's our, it's insulting to our ability to engage the systems around us and to think critically and to articulate our values and to identify what it is that we want as people. To pit us against one another is such a distraction from the conversations that we need to be having. And so this platform is for you, regardless of where you stand on whatever side of whatever issue, because we're going to be talking about how we maintain freedom and autonomy while also addressing the issues at hand. We're going to be talking about the system. We're going to be talking about all of those things. Now I'm feeling very redundant, but I think you've gotten the point. Um, but again, see, this is my brain bouncing around. 
I'm, I've stayed on script and I'm excited to talk to you about the relationship between politics and policy, to talk about the problems that we see in policy, to talk to you about what foreign policy is and why you care, to talk about domestic policy, to talk about policies of foreign countries, to talk about various conventions and how those are being applied to address human rights issues. That's the sort of stuff we're going to be talking about. And I think I've done a decent job of not going down those rabbit holes, but it was difficult for me. So um, on that note... Here is my very graceless exit. Go check out the website. Um, remember that you are a fucking badass and you belong here and you are a part of this conversation and you are significant. And I hope you have a wonderful day and I will see you for our next episode. <laughs>